Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast. This is episode 12, and this is the week in between the draft and the start of free agency, so we knew some moves were going to happen as we kind of have a little bit of a dead period, and we have some moves to talk about now, as well as uh, rookie mock to go through, and I released my top 200 dynasty rankings on the new Roto World website, so we'll get into all of that. Uh, but just before we do, I just want to give you a quick reminder to like and subscribe to this podcast, share it with anyone that you feel might have interest in this, uh, whether they're dynasty fans, just regular fantasy fans, or just basketball fans. We like to talk hoops here as well. Uh, and if you could also subscribe to my Substack, at, it's norubin.substack.com, and follow me on Twitter. I'm happy to answer or just discuss any dynasty questions you may have. That is at noahrubin22. But we're going to go ahead and get into this episode. As I said, episode 12, and before we get into anything specifically Dynasty-related as far as the rookie mock and rankings go, we'll discuss the most recent news. Um, just a few headlines. Obviously, the major trade that happened was John Collins being finally, finally traded to Utah, finally being moved away from Atlanta uh, after, I believe it was six seasons with the team, drafted in 2017. Uh, missed the playoffs the first three years, made it the last three. Uh, if you're watching this on video, you can see above me on my right, your left, top corner, you have the John Collins over Joel Embiid dunk. Obviously, I'd say that's the highlight of his Hawks tenure, uh, but plenty of other poster dunks throughout his time. A lot of fun, obviously, every time he did that, but I feel like he brought a lot more at times. Uh, but after you know, kind of bringing in Clint Capella, he adjusted his game a little bit, less pick and roll, more of a tried to be a stretch four. Was able to do it for a bit, of, like a period of time. Uh, if he didn't totally jack up his finger, he might not be getting. He might not have been traded, which is kind of wild to me to think about. He had an awful shooting season this past year. Um, he was a forty percent three point shooter just a few seasons ago, and I believe it was in the twenties this past season. Um, all in all, his game is not being a stretch for, and the Hawks kind of made him into that. Nate McMillan was very open about not drawing up plays for John Collins after he was paid a lot of money and averaged 20 and 10 for a season. I don't know how you don't drop anything for him. Like maybe at least try and do pick and roll. I know Clint Capella isn't really a threat if he's not in the pick and roll, but maybe, I don't know. I would think that, uh, since I'm I'm just sitting here as a fantasy analyst and able to at least think of maybe we can try and get John Collins some pick and rolls with Capella in the dunker spot that maybe NBA head coaches who get paid millions would be able to figure out more creative ways to get him involved other than just saying, go figure it out. We're not going to try and get you anything. Um, but it is what it is. Um, Hawks move forward to the next chapter. It's not really a new chapter because – it's not like you're trading away your franchise player, but an important player to the rebuild. And the Jazz, just because they had cap space, were able to get great value back. Just Rudy Gay and a future second-round pick is all it took to get a guy who was playing like a borderline all-star three years ago. Obviously, his value has tanked quite a bit. Um, but the Jazz get a very solid player who they they bought very, very low on. Um, if you're in a dynasty league, and you're able to do the same. I suggest it, not just because I think that, oh, he's going to Utah now. Like he's going to be used a lot more. He's going to bounce back, you know, become, I think he was during that 2019, 2020 season. I want to say seventh in per game value for nine cat scoring. I am not saying that. That's just, let me be very clear. I don't think he's going to be a top 10 dynasty or top 10 fantasy player ever again. But I think that we've seen some of his worst basketball. I think that he will pretty easily be better than he was at least this past season, simply off the fact that I, I think that the jazz will use him more and try and play to his strengths. And hopefully that finger can heal because I, maybe I'm wrong and maybe he just had a bad season. It wasn't related to the finger, but if you've seen pictures of how if you haven't yet, just go look up John Collins' finger. 
and it should pull up immediately just how jacked up his finger was. So go see that and then question, okay, how was he even able to shoot 26% from three or whatever he ended up shooting? Just, just go look at it. Cause I, it's mind boggling that he was able to, that it didn't heal and also that he kept playing through it. Cause I know it, it messed him up a lot. Uh, not this past season, but the season before and it just never got better. But um, we'll talk about the, the dynasty outlook from this trade. Obviously I think a lot more players from the Hawks were impacted than from the jazz, just because, you know, Walker Kessler and Lori Markinen are going to start. I had a question on Twitter that asked if you should be concerned at all about that. I wouldn't, I'm not at all Markinen. They've, since he was in Cleveland, he was a, a small forward there. Uh, he's been a small forward in Utah. They ran lineups with Kelly Olenek, Jared Vanderbilt, and Walker Kessler at, at different times as the four and five so that marketing could be more of a three. And I know that he was basically a, a stretch four for the first however many years of his career, so he's not really seen as a guy that is a small forward, but that's kind of what he's been the past two seasons, and he was an all-star starter this past year in that role. So that's staying. Those are the two locked-in spots in Utah. As far as power forward, I think that uh, that John Collins has a good chance to be the starter. I, I think that, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pulling up the depth chart right now. His competition um, at power forward will be like Kelly Olynyk. Um, that's probably it. I mean, Rudy Gay is gone. So, yeah, John Collins should start. And obviously, excuse me, Taylor Hendricks is the guy they just drafted, um, which I I thought Hendricks would have had a good chance to start, maybe not immediately, but pretty quickly over Olenek. But now that John Collins is there, I'd imagine Hendricks is coming off the bench for the majority of his rookie season, unless he's just phenomenal right out of the gate, in which case I don't think that the Jazz are going to be tied up to money in the sense of, oh, now we have this big contract for John Collins. Like we have to start him. I don't think they're going to be tied up in that at all. I think that if Hendricks is playing well, that they will give him the opportunity because they just spent the ninth overall, ninth overall pick on him. So they want to see what they have. So if Hendricks has a chance to start, if he's playing well, John Collins is still playing like he did this past season. I wouldn't be shocked if Hendricks takes over and John Collins is in a bench role. I don't think, John Collins will be that bad. And I think that Will Hardy will do more to try and get him involved than Nate McMillan really did. And that Quinn Snyder's offense is designed to do. But I, I, I think that this does hit Hendricks's value a little bit for his rookie season for his dynasty value. I'm, I'm not too concerned. I think that if Hendricks is going to be the player that I think he can be and that the jazz think he can be and that, many dynasty analysts think he can be, then I'm not too concerned about John Collins taking away from that unless he just has a total career revitalization and just gets back to being able to put up 20 and 10, which I don't really see that happening. So when I'm not too concerned about Hendricks in the long term, I think within a couple seasons, he's definitely starting. Um, even if this season, he probably isn't. Um, and then I don't really think too many other people in Utah are affected necessarily by this trade um, because, I mean, the other two guys they drafted were Keontae George and Bryce Sensabaugh, and I see them as shooting guard and small forward. So uh, Keontae George has a chance to start as a rookie. We'll get into him a little bit more um, when we talk about the rookie mock. And Bryce Sensabaugh has a chance to see real minutes. Um, I'm not saying George will start. I'm not saying he'll start out of the gate. But I think that both of them should get big minutes because even though Utah pushed and almost made the playoffs last year and then kind of realized, wow, we're playing a lot better than we thought we would, um, let's kind of tank a little bit. I think even though they just added a little bit more this offseason, that they're not going to – they might be in the same position. I don't think they'll be better. I could see them being a little bit worse simply – because of the deadline moves that they made at the last last trade deadline that obviously left that team not as good as they were pre-deadline and then factor in that along with that why they tailed off towards the end was like Mark and was playing less games and things like that so 
they'll be a good enough team. I don't see them making the playoffs. I see at least one more year in the lottery, um, depending on how Danny Ainge want to plays wants to play this. Because maybe he'll just say, "Hey, we have all these future picks from trades. Let's just go for the playoffs, have fun, and then also have other picks to make." So they're in a good position as a team, but I still, it's it's not like anybody at guard is going to be demanding. 32 to 36 minutes so they don't have room for Keontae George or at least to get Bryce Sensabaugh a few minutes. Who's a, I think Sensabaugh is a good shooter. He has got a good offensive game. Um, I don't know exactly what else he's doing other than scoring, but I think it's enough to get him on the floor as a rookie. And then I think George has a lot of upside. I think can be a really good scorer. I know I said I was going to get into it more later, but I ended up talking about it now. So Jazz project to have a lot of talent, a lot of potential uh, to be a good team. I'm just not going to say that I'm a believer just because I think it's smart for them to spend a little bit more time in the lottery if they're serious about making this a championship team in a smaller city. All right. And then for Atlanta, traded John Collins, obviously, after, I don't know, two to three years of trade rumors finally moved off of him. It's just kind of weird. A lot of, I feel like a lot of the guys that have been on trade rumors for a while were actually moved or kind of guaranteed that, or at least said they're guaranteed that they're not going to move off of him. Like John Collins gotten traded. I feel like Marcus smart has been on the trade block at least every trade deadline for the past few years. I think he talked about it on JJ Reddick's podcast. He got traded to Memphis in the Chris Stapps trade. Um, the, the Suns say they're not going to trade DeAndre Ayton, but I think it's kind of like a nobody's really giving us what we want. We're not going to be stupid about it, but but if somebody wants to offer us something good, then, then we'll definitely trade him. But we're going to say we're not going to trade him. I don't really get the logic other than maybe trying to tell teams that their offers aren't good enough. I don't know. Anyways, I fully expect the Suns to trade DeAndre Aiden if they get the right offer. And then Miles Turner is the other guy that has been on the trade block forever. Not, and I don't think he's going to get traded now. I at least for another year or two, I think he's safe. So I don't. We'll probably still hear his name tossed around, but I think that uh, I think that he's safe for now. Uh, but that leaves. I don't think I know everybody's really concerned about Rudy Gay taking away power forward minutes from the Hawks. Um, I'm not too concerned about that. I think Rudy Gay is maybe going to see a couple minutes here and there. That was actually, just in case it wasn't clear, that was sarcasm. I don't think anybody's really too concerned about Rudy Gay taking away minutes from Sadiq Bey or Jalen Johnson. I think as of now, the Hawks are rumored to still be ready to make a ton more moves. Um, I think DeAndre Hunter... Bogdan Bogdanovich and Clint Capella are the three names to watch. They've talked about moving veterans. I think DeJounte Murray is possible, but I don't think that the Hawks would move DeJounte Murray to get, you know, picks. I don't think they're going to move him to get like two or three solid players. I think the only way that they move him is if they're packaging him to get uh, an all-star. Cause I mean, he was an all-star the year before, Obviously wasn't nobody really expected him to be one this past season because everybody knew his numbers were going to go down. I don't really think that they're going to trade DeJounte Murray. I think he's safe unless I can't even think of who I'm not. Maybe if Jalen Brown, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be available. I can try and look at the teams and try and think of somebody, but like, I really, I really don't foresee um, anybody becoming available just to, I mean, like Bradley Beals moved. I don't think that they would move him for Beal. Yeah. I mean, like I, I don't see a, a logical trade for DeJounte Murray that the Hawks would actually do. So I think Murray's good. I think Trey Young's good. I think AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson, Onyeko Kongwu, um, Sadiq Bay. they've, had him kind of labeled as a guy that they believe is part of their future. I think they're all good. Then the three that could still be moved are DeAndre Hunter, who was, I think it was uh, Jake Fisher reported that the Hawks talked with both the Pacers and the Pistons about DeAndre Hunter. And I think both of them could use a starting small forward or at least a little bit more help there. Um, and 
the Hawks probably won't have an issue moving off of him with how well AJ Griffin played when he got the chance last season. Um, it's kind of a weird spot for the Hawks because they want to get better because Trey Young's good enough to win now, but they also have these young guys behind him where it's like, if you give them two years then they'll be ready to help you win now. So you don't want to trade them, want to get them minutes. So it's a weird, weird spot to be in where it's, they're just going to kind of be middle of the pack unless somebody breaks out or they're able to make a ridiculous move. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Hunter's gone. I wouldn't be shocked if Capella's gone. I would be a little bit more surprised if they trade Bogey just because I don't know what they really get for him. And I think, you know, he's had a lot of knee knee issues or injuries, trying to say both at the same time, um, that may hurt his value a bit. So, and I don't, I don't know what they'd get back for either of them. I just think everybody's kind of hoping, okay, traded away John Collins, cool. Now we can look at Sadiq Bay and Jalen Johnson minutes. We trade away Capella, cool. Now we get a Kongu minutes. We trade away Hunter, okay, cool. Now we get AJ Griffin minutes. Though Bogey, I think, would help that as well. Uh, maybe get some more Kobe Buffkin minutes as a rookie. So Hawks have basically a whole second lineup of young guys that they've drafted over the past few years. But um, I think Sadiq Bay is the, the day one starter, unless the Hawks make a different move and end up getting somebody else to start at power forward. I think Sadiq Bay is the starter, um, unless Jalen Johnson is just has like an incredible summer, looks really good in training camp, then is able to take away that job. But I don't really see that partially because Sadiq Bay is, he just fits Quinn Snyder's offense a little bit better, I think. Um, John Collins' issue in this offense was that he had to shoot a lot of threes. Sadiq Bay can do that. Jalen Johnson hasn't shown that he's a shooter. That was never really his thing. His thing was freak athleticism, being able to playmake a little bit. So in theory, John Collins was some playmaking. Well, less of a shot because John Collins was a shooter. So I think Sadiq Bey, at least at the beginning, starts, and we'll see it. It's definitely, I think Jalen Johnson can earn minutes. And I think Sadiq Bey's value goes up, but I don't I don't think he's necessarily a really, really good dynasty player now just because he's going to start. Um, I think he can approach top 100 value next season, and he's still pretty young. But I don't really see him as the starter of the future just because – He's an undersized. He's he's probably he's an undersized power forward for sure. He's average size small forward, so definitely undersized power forward. And he he's not a very good defender. So my my since I'm a Hawks fan, I feel like I've thought a little bit more about how to build around Trey Young, build this Hawks team into a contender. And I don't think you can do that with a second defensive liability on the floor, just because simply put, like. Trey Young showed more effort defensively and made some good defensive plays at times last season was probably the best defensive uh, season of his career, at least in stretches. He's not, he was doing the thing last where he just seems to just fall asleep on defense, especially in help like on ball. Not that he's a good defender, but like he at least was giving effort off ball. He was letting like getting back cut at times. It's like, okay, I don't think anybody really expects Trey Young to ever be like, okay, we need to stop. Let's get Trey Young on the ball. Like that's not his game, and that's totally okay. But it's it's what's he doing off the ball? And he showed improvement there. But I don't think the Hawks can have another guy where it's like we can the, the other team can attack him on defense because the whole like, oh, you play Trey Young in the playoffs, like we'll just get him in action every single time, and he they won't be able to stop anyone the entire playoffs. Like that's just not a sustainable game plan to just kind of attack Trey young. Like obviously like I think that there's been instances where people have said that for matchups in the playoffs. And it's just like, like after a game or two, you're like, Oh wait, like that's not actually what they're doing. Like that's not sustainable. The teams figure things out. Like they adjust. I think that was the main thing when the Lakers played the nuggets where people were saying Jokic isn't a good defender they're, the Lakers are just going to destroy the Nuggets just because you, they're going to put Jokic in action every single time. And then they got swept. Like everybody, like, of course, the Nuggets are also going to look at what their strengths and weaknesses are and adjust. So it makes it easier for the Hawks if they have four guys that are competent to very good defenders. 
just because no matter how hard Trey Young tries, like he's still like a smaller guy and th- that creates defensive limitations. So you, you can't have somebody that's not a good defender with him. So that's in that case, Sadiq Bay. Jalen Johnson, I feel like has the potential to be more of a competent defender, but then the offense doesn't like he's not as much of a shooter. So it's, he's got a lot of upside as a playmaker and a freak athlete, but Either way, both guys' value goes up. I, I'm saying all of this to say that I don't think either guy is the solidified, definite starter of the future, but both guys have the potential to be. Value goes up. If you're able to quietly get them at pretty good value still, I would do it. Um, and try and get guys like Okongwu and AJ Griffin before those trades happen. Uh, even though those guys are probably held in higher regard than Bay and Jalen Johnson in most leagues. Um, Just to review, just because based on my dynasty rankings, I had to adjust a little bit. Uh, I believe I had, let me see if I can, I think I had Sadiq Bay, like late 120s. Um, Jalen Johnson, I know I bumped him up. He may have been like around 150, maybe a little lower than that just because I don't think anything's guaranteed for either of them. Um, and I don't know how much either of them are going to necessarily contribute next season. I know that probably like goes back on what I just said, but even if Sadiq Bey earns the starting job and is playing 30 minutes per game, like he's giving you threes and buckets, probably a low field goal percentage and not much else. Maybe re- rebounds. He, I feel like he rebounds pretty well despite I think being like six, seven. Jalen Johnson, if he, I don't see him playing 30 minutes per game, even if he ends up getting a starting job, it's probably more like that 26 to 28 range. And Sadiq Bay is still a six man that plays a ton, maybe a little bit DeAndre Hunter at power forward if he's still there. Jalen Johnson could get you double digit scoring, probably decent rebounding numbers. He's got the athleticism to get you. If he's able to get a steal in a block per game, then we're, it's a whole different conversation, but I don't really know. He's not really shooting threes. He may be able to get you pretty good assists, but. It's just so unknown with him because he spent his entire rookie season in the G League and then showed some flashes last year, but then his role was just inconsistent. So big part of the future, I believe. Um, I just question I, – I would think he's a big part of the future is what I mean. I question how well he fits with the Hawks because he can't really shoot that well, and I question how much he's going to be able to do next season. I think that if they – try and force feet in minutes, they can run into the same issues that they just have with John Collins, even if he is able to do a little bit more with the ball. Uh, but I can continue to rant about the Hawks for the entire length of the podcast, but I don't want this to be a two-hour podcast, so I'm going to move on to the next move. If you have any other questions about that, feel free to ask me on Twitter. If you want to just say, Noah, you went in circles and you said every point, even though they kind of disagreed, let me know on Twitter. I apologize because I don't even know what to think. Um, Nas Reed re-signed with Minnesota, three years, $42 million, worth every penny. I think that when Cat and Rudy Gobert were missing time last season, Reed was a really good option, really good for fantasy. Um, I don't. I, I think that a team could have given him a contract for him to be a starter, but a lot of teams were probably looking for him to be kind of that sixth man backup center. Um but now it's just he's in Minnesota behind two really tall centers. Like it's Carl Anthony Towns could be playing power forward. He's not a modern power forward. He's a modern center. So now he's playing behind those two. I think I saw a tweet. I think it was from Steve Jones Jr. Um, said that they have like five, or maybe he quoted it with his opinion on this tweet that said that, they have $550 million wrapped up in these three guys. And his questioning was like, what are they doing with the minutes now? So it's like, yeah, you're probably going to, you're paying the first two guys a lot of money, Cat and Gobert. You're probably going to want to play them 30, at least 30, probably 32 to 34 minutes per game, depending. I mean, obviously they'll defer a little bit. They'll both miss games. Um, you know, you, it's good to have that insurance with Nas Reed so they can limit their minutes. But what does that leave for Nas Reed? I think that I had him as a guy that could see a huge spike in value if he signed with the right team that could give him a starting job. But now I feel like it's just 
bad. Like this is not a good move for us fantasy managers looking to capitalize off his value. I think it goes down. Plain and simple, just because at least for the next, unless a trade happens, of course, next three years he's locked in in Minnesota, and I I don't have Gobert's contract off the top of my head, but I believe Cat's there like has a longer contract than that. I think he's, yeah, he has um the contract is like 2028 where the last season's like 62 million or something just ridiculous. Um, so unless this, you know, assuming that this was in order to keep Reed as a backup, I think it's, you know, you, you want to keep the value. You don't want to just let him walk for nothing. Could this have been to set up a trade? Are they going to now say, okay, we have Nas Reed. We think of him as a, a starter level talent. Now we have the freedom to trade Cat. Now we have the freedom to trade Gobert because we have a, a starting center for fourteen million a year on average. So I don't know. I don't have sources. I'm just speculating here, just because they have a lot of money tied up in centers, and they have a star shooting guard who wants some space to be able to attack the basket. And you know, Reed and Cat can both shoot. Gobert can't. Having you know, on defense, we saw Cat have issues trying to keep up with smaller forwards. I think that, or smaller power forwards, smaller forwards, where I remember specifically, it goes in my mind every time I think about them trying to play defense. A clip of Cat trying to play some help and then having to like sprint back out to the three point line to try and close out on a stretch four. And he was just like waving his arms, just doing his best to try and get back, but he just wasn't quick enough. So, I don't know exactly how this team fits in Minnesota, but I, I know Nasri is talented and deserved that contract, and now they can figure it out from here, which is probably what they were just trying to do, just like not lose out on that value. Um, and then this last point I was going to talk about for like recent rumors and transactions was Damian Lillard, and I'm not – I know I say I'm not going to talk about this much or I'll talk about this later and then talk about something for five minutes. I'm not going to talk about Dame for more than like a minute maybe because this him saying that or a report coming out that he and his agent met with the GM, the GM said that the, uh, Joe Cronin said that they're committed to building a winner around Damian Lillard. I don't care that he said that. I don't care about that report. It means nothing. They can't trade him until July 9th because he signed an extension last off season. So we'll talk July 9th. Let's see what Portland has there because he could still very well demand a trade, even if it's kind of out of character for him. Just because he wants to win, he deserves to win, and now they have a future. They have Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp. They're fine. They should definitely trade off of him, even if they've committed to building a winner around him. But again, that new move means nothing. We'll see who they can sign on June 30th and the nine days after, and then we'll see what happens. That's that's my piece on Damian Lillard because there's been too much Twitter discussion slash discourse on him when he hasn't he has publicly said things but this isn't him stating the last few things it could be him putting it out but it's not like Damian Lillard's coming in every other week eh, well, I guess he did it on Instagram Live kind of talking about playing the uh, the Miami song and saying oh no it was just coincidence guys. Okay, whatever. Just <laughs> the moral of the story for NBA players is stay off Instagram Live. But I personally, I don't see the benefit of anybody going on Instagram Live. But hey, whatever. Um, so like I mentioned, my top 200 Dynasty rankings, uh, I published them for the new Roto World site. That, those yesterday. That was yesterday. Uh, goodness gracious. I don't know how many times I've tried to sit down and make Dynasty rankings just because I feel like it's kind of a thing. And then I found them so difficult to make that I told myself, hey, you know what? I don't need dynasty rankings. Everything's relative anyway. You know, if I'm a win now player, I'm going to value players differently from a being a rebuilding player. The size of the league, you know, what categories am I looking at? That's the big thing with fantasy basketball that differs from, or really every fantasy sport differs from fantasy football is that, Fantasy football, guys score points. Doesn't matter how you do it. With fantasy basketball, sure, there's points leagues, but generally speaking, you're playing in category leagues. Points leagues are so popular, but a lot of 
category leagues, I'd, I'd say category leagues are kind of more the standard for fantasy basketball. Points leagues are the transition. Category leagues are the standard. Um, so fantasy football, I think this player is going to score this many points and blah, blah, blah. You know, the only thing that really matters is what position are they going for? Like how many quarterbacks are – is it a one-quarterback league versus two-quarterback league? Like guys score points, plain and simple. Basketball, you know, you're looking at points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, turnovers, threes, field percentage, free throw percentage. So how long are, is this guy going to be able to do this thing? You know, if, if I'm in my building, I don't know. This is, I haven't even really put too much thought into this. So let me see if maybe this goes nowhere, but okay. If I'm building a team and I really struggle with, I don't know. I'm let's we'll say this. I'm like set at like threes and blocks. And like I have like Jaron Jackson Jr., who's like a really good player, gonna be really good for a long time. And like do I just only go for more guys that are good at threes and blocks? Do I feel like okay, Jaron Jackson Jr. is gonna get me threes and blocks? Like I should go for other categories when I'm trying to make moves, you know acquiring guys that hit threes or block shots just to solidify that I can win those categories every week. They might mean more to me, whereas they might they might not mean as much to somebody else. I think that's where I'm going with this. Guy, a team could have Giannis and Zion on their team, and they are not going to care about anybody that hits threes or free throws or, in Zion's case, plays games because he doesn't. Um, so getting a guy like... For example, Steph, if you're Giannis and Zion, you're win now, but you're never getting threes from anything. I don't care about Steph. I mean, sure, Steph holds a lot of value. He's still Steph Curry, but he's an older player, and I'm not going to win threes anyway, or I'm not going to win free throw percentage anyway. I have Giannis and Zion. Those things matter a little less to me. So it's it's very, very relative, and – that that was how I talked myself into saying you don't have to do dynasty rankings anyway. But I figured I'd go ahead and give it my my best go and say this is kind of generally speaking how I'd value players. And I'm sure a lot of people looked at the list and said, wow, no way, you're an idiot. These are horrible, horrible rankings. Like how would you have X, Y, Z over the player A, player B? Like how – this guy wasn't even in your top 200. Oh my gosh, Noah, you hate the Houston Rockets. Well, I'm a little lower on some of the Rockets. I, w- I will say definitely lower on some Rockets players than a lot of people are, but apologies. No disrespect to the city of Houston or Houston Rockets fans. I just, I'm a little lower. Sorry. Um, but you can check those out on the new Roto World site, which is just on NBCSports.com. No more NBC Sports Edge, just NBCSports.com. So you can look at non-fantasy stuff right next to the fantasy stuff. It's great. The, fo- the Roto World section's right there. You know, it's new. I get it, but it's great for us. Like I, I thoroughly enjoy the backside of it. Like the uh, posting, everything. It looks very sleek, very smooth. So hopefully. The, uh, everyone will be able to get adjusted to the front side and it'll be even better than before. So that'll still be a process, but um, the dynasty rankings are out. Um, if you want to let me know how much you hate them on Twitter, as I said before, my Twitter, if you're watching the video, is right here at the bottom. Um, and if you're just listening, at NoRubin22, uh, most people have been nice so far, which I can really appreciate. Um, so... But if you want to let me know how much you hate him, that's okay too. Um, yeah. So I won't go through all the top 200. I won't actually even go through them really. But they're out there um, with some words as well, kind of breaking down some of them, some of my reasoning for a few players, talking about some players that I could see making a leap. So, Yeah. There's a lot right there, uh, a lot to be broken down. So I'm trying to pull it up right now. And, yeah. Anyways, we'll move on to the last thing, which may take a little bit longer than just being the quote-unquote last thing, which is a rookie mock draft. Um, 
been working on one with a lot of dynasty analysts, but with everybody being kind of international slash global, it takes time to slow draft. So started it, I think like, yeah, about two days. Well, excuse me, two days ago from recording this. I guess that's a big thing. I think I've been saying yesterday, a good time about those dynasty rankings. I'm recording this on Tuesday um, and this won't be posted till Friday, but so by the time this is done, by the time this is posted, this rookie mock draft will be done and I will have a column out on it, but I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the picks that we have done because we're, we went, we're going through 60 picks and we're on the final round. So most of it is pretty much done. Um, so I'll just kind of start reading through um, the first few rounds. I don't know if I'm really going to get into round five. And let's see, the most recent pick was Hunter Tyson just went second pick of round five by Matt Lawson. So if if you want an analysis on that, maybe we'll get to there eventually. But I'm I'm not planning on talking about every single pick. I will read through everything, though. Um, so... I did my best to try and randomize the order, but I think even though I clicked like set manual order and then like reset it to randomize order and like click that like five times, Vantrax still had me pick first. And I think it was exactly the order in which people joined, but it was a snake draft. So at least we had some variety there and it's just a mock. So it's not like I'm forcing myself to get Wemby and haha, everybody else can suck it because I made the league. But with that being said, 1-1, one, one, Victor Webanyama, no questions asked. Uh, pick two, Scoot Henderson. Then we had Amen Thompson, uh, Brandon Miller, Asar Thompson, Taylor Hendricks, Jairus Walker, Anthony Black, Derek Lively, Bilal Koulibaly, Kaysen Wallace, Cam Whitmore. That was how the first round went. Um, not too many surprises, I'd say, at least to me, for the first half of it. Um Taylor Hendricks, Rhett Bauer took him at six. Um, I, that was obviously, or that was not obviously, but it was pre-John Collins trade. Um, I don't know. I haven't asked Rhett if that would change his opinion as far as where he takes Hendricks. Would he take him after? Because his Indiana Pacer legend, Jairus Walker, was the pick after. So I don't know if he would have rather taking Walker with John Collins there, but I know Red is also very high on Hendricks and has been for a while. So maybe he still would have went with him, even knowing that John Collins is there. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. I, I still like Hendricks as a talent, but obviously a little bit more of a question mark now. Um, Asar Thompson went fifth. I think he's a really good player. And honestly, I've, just love the Thompson twins. Now I wasn't sure for the longest time um, just because I wasn't sure like that the fact, not the fact they didn't play collegiately, but they didn't play college or they didn't play professionally like overseas. They just played for overtime elite. I don't really have like in my mind, a good, like, okay, this player does this at overtime elite. Like this is what this translates to. Now I will after this, because after getting to see exactly how they play out, like, we haven't seen at least two players from overtime elite go in the top five of a draft yet. So now that we've seen it, we can analyze exactly how they play and like what kind of production they give and have a better sense of, Oh, okay. Like they dominated this league, but that's not just because they were only playing against like high schoolers. It's because they're actually talented. It's a very good league. And I think that's, partially just because I haven't seen it and how it translates to the NBA partially because, because like I haven't aside from like scouting for the draft done a ton of in-depth research on what overtime elite, like what the competition level is. Obviously it's an incredibly talented league. I just don't know how that translates directly to the NBA apologies, but now we can figure it out. So cool. With that being said, Thompson at five to Detroit, I, I like the talent. I just question a little bit from Detroit about the fit with Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, and Asar Thompson. Three guys that I feel like are talented playmakers, but there's only one ball. Uh, defensively, I don't think it'll be a problem because Ivey's like 6'4". I think Thompson's like 
six six or six seven, and then Cade Cunningham's like six seven or six eight. So I don't think they'll have an, an issue with starting like three guards because they're all tall. So that shouldn't be an issue. Um, I just questioned about the offensive fit, but talented player. I don't think you can go wrong with him at five in dynasty drafts. I was a little, it was more of a question mark for me about Detroit taking him at five. Um, Anthony Black went eight. I think in my opinion, he would have gone higher had he not landed in Orlando. I think, excuse me. I think he is a very talented player, especially for fantasy. I just, I think I said this in my draft recap. They don't have much shooting, which is why they had to get Jet Howard at 11. And Anthony Black is not a shooter. Maybe he'll surprise us and be a better shooter in the NBA. But he hasn't shown much yet. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, Derek Lively, nine. Uh, It might just be because we saw how good Walker Kessler and Jalen Duran and Mark Williams were last season as rookies. But Lively should get minutes. His competition is not steep for minutes at center in Dallas unless they make another move. So great value there at nine, personally, I feel. Um, Bilal Koulibaly at 10. Um, I think that's banking on his upside. Uh, Fast riser really late in the draft process, Um, but he projects to get even taller. And I think he'll get the opportunity to develop in Washington because they – are hitting the reset button very diff- very hard. So he should get a chance. Kaysom Wallace at 11. I said this before the draft. Kaysom Wallace is my guy. I said, I'm riding with him, going to reach for him in drafts. Then he went to OKC. And I said this in my dynasty rankings. I'm, I'm more of a bet on the talent over betting on the situation because situation changes all the time. And I still really like Kaysen Wallace. However, playing behind Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Josh Giddy is not the best landing spot for a not undersized point guard, but not, but not a tall point guard. So I don't see a path to a starting spot for him unless he's playing with a different team, in which case he would be getting traded to a team that didn't draft him. So less of... I don't know, the team saying, okay, like this is our guy. This is just the guy we traded for. It's not the guy we drafted. So question marks there. I think I I try and just go talent first, still believe in the talent, but don't love the situation. Anyways, Cam Whitmore at 12. He flew down draft boards, ended up in Houston at 20. Or, but I think, you know, if – if you think about it like this, obviously it is different, but if Houston would have selected him at four, I'm pretty sure he goes top five in this rookie mock. And there was conversations about them taking him at four. I don't think it's as much about the situation. I think it's, okay, was there legitimate concerns? Is that the reason he actually like really fell? Like, I know that the only rumors I saw were injuries like some sort of injury history and he said when he like i'm healthy like i don't know what people saw but i'm healthy okay so sure now now it's like okay like i have a question mark but the talents there um the situation in houston it kind of sucks because him and tari eason are going to be trying to battle it out for a starting spot so one of them is probably going to take at least a slight hit um in the short term but again very talented player and I don't know. I think you you bet on talent. That's what you do. And he's got it. All right. So second round. Uh, apologies, I haven't looked up pronunciations for everybody yet. But Brandon Podziemski uh, went two one. Grady Dick, Keontae George, Kobe Bufkin, uh, Derek Whitehead, Jet Howard, Leonard Miller, Jalen Hood, Shafino. Jordan Hawkins, Bryce Sensabaugh, Jamie Jaquez, and Noah Clowney. I took Noah Clowney um, with the last pick of the second round. And, you know, I, I like his defensive upside. A lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, in his interview, his introductory interview, he talked about wanting to win defensive player of the year. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I'm a sucker for a good quote. 
And the fact that he said that he wants to win defensive player of the year speaks volumes to me about his, his goals. And I think that it can, can, it can translate to really good fantasy value. Um, you know, obviously he's going to be putting up defensive numbers if he does that. So that's why I got him there. Um, if we go back to the beginning of the second round, uh, Podziemski should be able to, I mean, a scorer, a shooter, the Warriors tend to find minutes for those kind of guys. So I like the spot there. I think he does a lot of what I think maybe it's a lazy comparison just because it looks, but uh, Dante DiVincenzo, a lot of people have been comparing those two. And with DiVincenzo, I believe he's a free agent. Perhaps Podziemski can fill that role. If not this year, then eventually. Um, Grady Dick to Toronto. If the Raptors hit the reset button and do a hard rebuild, which I think they should, especially if Fred Van Vliet walks, they need to probably try and find a, a home for OG and Pascal Siakam at least, um, which would open up minutes for Grady Dick. And I think that he's got a lot of upside to be more than just a shooter, but he will definitely at least be a shooter. Uh, Keontae George, a lot of scoring upside. Um, you know, Jordan Clarkson's ahead of him right now probably, but Jordan Clarkson's also been a six-man for a large portion of his career. So if Keontae George is playing well, I don't think they'll hesitate to move Jordan Clarkson to the bench for Keontae George to start. Um, but either way, Clarkson obviously isn't the starting shooting guard of the future, so that could be Keontae George. Um, I, I think that's a great value pick right there at the 2-3. Um, Kobe Bufkin, he's going to be a backup for the Hawks, but they – didn't really have anybody other than Trey and DeJounte last year that can dribble, so he can be the backup point guard. Good spot there. Like I said earlier when I was talking about the Hawks, the only player they're tied to is Trey Young. Anybody else can get moved, so maybe they pa uh, package Buffkin with somebody else to try and get a star. Maybe they end up trading DeJounte, and there's a path for Buffkin there. Nothing set. I think he's a good talent. He's a late riser in the sense that he was he struggled his freshman year but ended up being really really good as a sophomore especially down the stretch i think that that everything i've read about him and like his quotes his mentality um i like i think he's got good upside derek whitehead good upside pick there as well former five star with foot injuries um i don't think that they're going to be rushing him into minutes because they have mikhail bridges there but they'll work with him develop him it may be more of a long-term play but I mean, the talent is so incredible that you have to take a chance on him. Um, then Jet Howard, uh, who I thought was incredibly overdrafted by Orlando. Um, I think that if they really wanted a shooter, Grady Dick was right there. But they like Jet Howard, and they took him. They took him 11th overall. They must really believe in him. And even though they have a million lottery talents on their team, um, not very many of them can shoot, as I said earlier. So. Jed Howard should be able to see minutes as a rookie. I don't know how many. Um, and he's still a, a young player, and he can turn into a really good scorer. Um, so I like the upside there. Uh, Leonard Miller at 2-7 in 12-team mock. Rhett took him there. Um, I think even though Miller was a second-round pick, he has so much upside for his talent and his size, really that that's a boomer bust pick and but like the upside's worth it at this point uh jalen hood shafino to the lakers or with the lakers now taking it to eight uh they've talked in recent days i saw a quote about jalen hood shafino being like the option in case austin reeves walks but they're pretty set on austin reeves saying but the fact that they think of him as like kind of a one-two like you can put point guard or shooting guard but he's a tall ball handler I like that a lot. D'Angelo Russell's a free agent. Dennis Schroeder's a free agent. There's a chance that Jalen Huchifino is the starting point guard next season. So he's a, like I said, tall guy, good, like I thought really good out of the pick and roll as both a passer and a scorer. Patient player. I think he'll fit in with like a, this, not a, a slow offense, but I guess like the slower paced offense of the, that the Lakers tend to use. So I think he'll fit in there. Um, and Jordan Hawkins, I think it'll be a battle for him to get minutes, but a lottery talent in the late second round of a rookie draft can't go wrong. Uh, Bryce Sensaval, I, I know I alluded to him earlier. 
talented scorer, um, has the upside as a shooter, and I think that Utah will look to get all three of their rookies' minutes. I think Sensible was a borderline lottery talent heading into the draft, so the fact that they were able to get him at 28, I'm not too concerned that he's a late first-round pick. I think he is a borderline lottery talent. Uh, Jamie Jacquez, that's such a Miami pick um, for them to get him, so I think he's going to fit right in there. Despite having like a ton of solid players, I wouldn't say there's a ton of roles guaranteed in Miami, even though a lot of guys have done really well. So I, I don't think he'll have an issue getting into their rotation. Um, and then, so I'll start reading through some of the rest of the picks, but I'm probably not going to break everything down, partially because some of these guys are late second round picks or just second round picks. So I might mention a couple of them. Um, but so three, one, I took, again, haven't worked and read through all the pronunciations for everybody. Um, Olivier Maxence Prosper. And then it was Kobe Brown, Nick Smith, Gigi Jackson, Max Lewis, Chris Murray, James Naji, city Sissoko. I hope that's right. Uh, from San Antonio. Marcus Sasser, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, I believe that's Colby Jones, and Tristan Vuksovic from the Wizards. So um, let's see. Chris Murray should be able to get minutes as a rookie. Um, I think he's a – that was kind of a thing was that um, he's kind of a guy that's like, okay, like if you're a win-now team and you're just looking for somebody in the late first that's going to be able to play solid minutes – he should do that. I mean, we saw what his his uh, brother did last year for the Kings, so I'm not saying he's going to be that good, but he's solid. Um, Trace Dex, Jackson Davis um, loved hearing him say, you know, I, I love, again, get caught up in the hype sometimes, but him saying that, uh, oh, teams are going to regret passing on me. Um, I mean, yeah. I thought he was an early second round talent, even though he's older. So then he just falls into the Warriors' lap. And if they need anything consistently, it's big men because, I mean, Draymond could walk. I don't foresee it. They have Kevon Looney, but I could see him uh, getting into a legit role there. So I like that pick there. I got him with the last pick. Uh, we just went three rounds in my home rookie mock because after three rounds, people tend to not want to make picks anymore. Um, so we just went three rounds. I got in with pick 36 in that draft, though. Um, so then fourth round, uh, Ben Shepard went 4-1. Then Amani Bates, Julian Strother, uh, Ryan Rupert. Then it's Andre Jackson, Amari Bailey, Julian Phillips. Um, apologies, I'm going to get the next two wrong, I believe. But the guy the Hawks drafted, Muhammad Gouye. That's probably wrong. I apologize. And then Tariq. Biborovich, um, if I'm not mistaken, he went 4-9 in this, but I think he's going to be a, a Eurostash. Um, and then Jordan Walsh, and then Jalen Pickett, and then I got Jalen Wilson from Brooklyn at the last pick of that round. Um, ben Shepard going 4-1 after the Pacers picked him 26th. Really, really good shooter. I know that they have a lot of guards, but I think he could – get legit minutes on that team. So I like that pick, especially in the fourth round. Um, let's see. Amani Bates went second in the fourth round. I don't, considering he was, I don't know if you would have asked me three years ago or asked anybody three or four years ago. Oh yeah. That guy's going to take over the NBA one day. Like he's going to go first in his draft. Like he's the next Kevin Durant, blah, blah, blah. Uh, obviously he didn't pan out whatsoever, but the Cavs have, Two shot, no, I'll, I'll say Karis Levert. Three shot creators on their team. Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are very good. Um, they're obviously not as much shot creators. Um, they have Isaac Coro. Basically, they have four really good players, and then they're trying to figure everything else out. Um, so why not take a shot out of Monty Bates? Okay. I mean, if he flames out, it was a late second round pick for them. If he pans out, He's a future – I mean, he could be a microwave scorer. I'll say I don't think he's has the upside anymore to be a future all-star, but microwave scorer, which is something that Cleveland could use. So I thought good pick there. 
Um, I'll talk about mine. Jalen Wilson, um, I think, you know, really good at Kansas. Obviously, he's older, but he could get minutes as a rookie. And I think at this point of the draft, that's kind of what I'm looking for is a guy that could be on the court. I don't know if I'm really going to find – I mean, if there's somebody that's late there that I'm like, okay, like they could be – they have that upside to be a star. Like They could be really, really good in the right situation, things like that. But most of the guys are gone at this point. So I just – guys that could get minutes. And then the two picks that have been made so far of the fifth round, fifth and final round, so we have like 10 left. Um, I took Chris Livingston and then Matt Lawson took Hunter Tyson. I simply took Livingston because there was reports that he canceled workouts because um, he had a promise from a team and he got drafted by the Bucks. So I'm assuming the Bucks aren't going to make a promise to him unless they have at least a little bit of a plan for him. And then the fifth round, um, so this will be about pick 40, I think it was pick 49. That's kind of what I'm going for. So if you're in a 30-team league late second round, of your draft. That's the reason that I took him. Not because I'm like, Oh, Chris Livingston, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like I really see him fitting in with the bucks. I could see him, you know, turning in this player. It's the fact that they gave him a promise. And that's more than I can say about some other guys that haven't been picked is like, they at least have planned a plan. (laughs) Who knows if it pans out or not, but again, it's a late, late pick for me. It's a late, late pick for them. So I'm not not getting my hopes up here. But I'm just trying to do the best, make the best pick I can. That's why. Um, so if you stuck around uh, through all of the pauses and losses of trains of thought, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this is episode 12 of the Take Me Later podcast where we talked about a couple of the recent news things transactions slash rumors briefly about the top 200 i released and then went through the majority of a rookie mock i'm sure there will be more rookie mocks to look at over the next few weeks especially after uh after summer league has at least started we'll talk about how guys are looking after that i'm sure most leagues wait a little bit to uh do their rookie drafts just because they want to see how summer league goes, especially because it's like two weeks after the draft, but my home league, we start the day after the draft, sometimes the night of the draft. Um, the Victor Wembenyama pick I can confirm was sent in at exactly 8 PM, right? As soon as the draft started. Um, so, but to the surprise of no one, of course, um, but we're not going to look at that draft because I'm I tend to uh actually I'll I'll talk about my picks a little bit because players tend to slide in in that draft because people aren't they're not looking at dynasty content um so they don't really know what the league consensus or like the dynasty community consensus for picks are they just kind of look at draft order which is fine um it's just my friends from college so it's cool um Let's see. I'll, I'll just, yeah, okay. So my pick, so I got Scoot at two, obviously. I traded up for that. Um, I got Taylor Hendricks at 13. I was very happy with that. Um, let's see. I also, and then I don't think I picked the rest of the second round. Third round, I got Leonard Miller with the fifth pick of the third round. And then I got, I took Ben Shepard with the ninth pick of the third round. And then with the last pick, I took Trace Jackson Davis. I know I mentioned that earlier. Um, really needed some forwards because I have really good, really good at guard, then really good at center. I feel like my forward situation is average, so I've been trying to add in a little bit there um, with this draft or with other trades as well. Um, some fun picks for everyone to uh, laugh at. My friend that's a Michigan fan took Jet Howard at seven. Um, Actually, that's probably the only the only stretch, but I get it. Michigan fan, you got to take your guy. So the rest of the picks are actually fine. Now I'm thinking about it. Now that I'm looking at it, but um, you know, before I got carried away, as I was saying, that's going to do it for episode 12 of the Take Me Later podcast. 
Um, like I said at the beginning, liking and subscribing helps me out a ton. Um, if you can rate the podcast wherever you're consuming it from, uh, subscribing to my Substack that just tells me that people actually are reading slash listening to slash watching anything anything that I put out, which is encouraging. Um, remember, it's it's all free. I don't know, like it's all free, so it's cool that if you tell people about it too, that'd be great. Uh, subscribing to my Substack noahrubin.substack.com. Following me on Twitter at noahrubin22. Um, think that's everything as far as ways to stay up to date with my content. Um, again, a lot more exciting stuff coming out with free agency. I think when this comes out, free agency will have just started. So there's going to be so many moves that I didn't talk about. Um, and apologies for that, uh, that I'm sure if it, I don't get to it perhaps in the next podcast, but definitely in a column. So be on the lookout for those. Um, yeah, and that'll do it for this episode of the Tank Me Later podcast. Thanks for watching.